0: One of the most frustrating things about watching Oklahoma's defense over the last handful of years has been the massive amounts of cushion Sooner cornerbacks have given opposing offenses. Everybody remembers the most iconic example of this, 2014 against Baylor. You can find a third quarter drive of that game on YouTube in which Bryce Petty and the Bears run 10 plays, eight of them taking advantage of the five to seven yards of cushion allowed by Oklahoma. Throughout the drive, you hear the television announcers wondering aloud why the Sooners aren't adjusting. You can see OU players after every snap looking visibly frustrated by Baylor's ability to dink and dunk its way down the field with zero resistance. In the end, the Bears scored a touchdown and Julian Wilson assumed the role of all of us and argued with Mike Stoops on the sidelines. It was a horrible look for everybody involved. You've got to give some credit, though, to Stoops. His OU defense did bounce back in 2015. The Sooners ranked 17th in S&P Plus defense that year. And as we all know, Oklahoma made the college football playoff. But it was all downhill from there. The next three years, the Sooners defense was terrible. And it got Stoops fired in the middle of 2018. Ruffin McNeil took over. And after a couple of nice games against bad offenses, OU's defense was arguably worse than it was before. The biggest problem, poor secondary play. Big cushions, confused players, and inferior technique. Enter Alex Grinch, plus Roy Manning. And after one game, I can already tell the secondary is much improved. Grant was very complimentary of the cornerbacks and the defensive backs in general earlier this week. I pushed back slightly. My contention was that Houston adjusted its game plan after the first quarter and called more quick passes, hitches, wide receiver screens, plays that got the football out of De'Eric King's hands quickly. Because of that, the Cougars weren't really trying to push the ball down the field. Upon watching the game back for a second and a third time, I think I shortchanged the corners, particularly Parnell Motley. Motley was fantastic, and as a whole, the secondary played really, really well. What did I see that looked different? Number one, not as many big cushions. Two, zero confusion. And three, better technique. I've got some numbers for you that I promise you're going to love. Houston's offense ran 69 plays Sunday night. On 50 of those plays, at least one defensive back was lined up across his man at the line of scrimmage. Zero cushion. I'll say it again. 50 Out of 69 plays, at least one DB was up at the line of scrimmage. Parnell Motley was by far the most active and is clearly Alex Grinch's most trusted cornerback. Motley played 49 snaps Sunday night and was up on the line of scrimmage 40 times. 40 out of 49 plays, Motley was challenging his man. 49 snaps for Trey Brown, 23 of them up at the line of scrimmage. Jordan Parker, nine out of 25 snaps playing at the line. Jaden Davis, he played 19 snaps. He was up on the line six times. And throwing the nickels, Brendan Radley-Hiles and Chant Sylvie, they played some press man in the slot every now and then. Radley-Hiles, seven times. Sylvie, three. Now, OU's DBs weren't playing press man every single time they were up on the line of scrimmage. No, sometimes they drop back to play some zone, which is okay. The encouraging thing to me is that Alex Grinch and Roy Manning are teaching these guys to be confident in getting deep enough, even if they're starting to play up on the line of scrimmage. Grinch and Manning are challenging their defensive backs to be better, and through one game, I'm pretty impressed. We all know there's still a long way to go, but early reads make me think our long national cushion nightmare may be over. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. Fourth down and three, Houston after the timeout, trying to throw a bubble screen and it's incomplete. And Oklahoma will take over on downs, intended for Jeremy Singleton. So the Sooners hold. Not the most exciting call, but it was one of the better defensive plays of the OU-Houston game. The Sooners get off the field on fourth and three in the fourth quarter. It wasn't officially a turnover, but Lincoln Riley made sure to point out after the game Sunday that a turnover on downs is a turnover to him. Hello everybody. Welcome in to West of Everest. Once again, I am Lee Benson. Grant will join me here in a second. Fair warning, Oklahoma's on a short week, which means so are we here on the podcast. We've got one less day to prepare. Plus, the Sooners are playing FCS South Dakota this Saturday, so I expect this to be a pretty awesome episode. I really do. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Candidly, We don't have a lot to say about South Dakota, so this podcast will focus mostly on the Sooners. I pulled a few pieces of audio from Tuesday's press conference and post-practice media availability. Those assets will help drive the discussion a little bit, and we'll see where this goes. So let's now welcome in Grant for the first time. And Grant, we are in it now. We're in the college football season, back to two shows per week. And I'm kind of happy, actually, that Oklahoma's got an FCS team because... It sounds like you're the same. I've been pretty slammed the past few days.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, in that, in that respect, it's good that haven't had a ton of time to prep and whatnot. It's, it's always tough coming back to work after a holiday weekend. It's sometimes a little more busy. But also at the same time, I'm really annoyed they're playing an FCS team because, I don't know, what, we, we wait nine months for OU football and then we get sort of, an, sort of an appetizer last week against Houston, and then they got to freaking play South Dakota. That's kind of disappointing, yeah. is it not?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those weeks where you go to the pregame press conferences, which I was there yesterday as we record this Wednesday night. And as a member a member of the media, you try to figure out the best way to ask questions, uh, to get thoughts about playing a bad FCS team without super disrespecting the FCS team because you know the players and the coaches aren't going to say anything bad about the team. And so I thought... We, as a media, did some pretty good jobs yesterday to get some thoughts. But I will point this out. Did you see Jalen Hurts in his press conference on Tuesday at all? Uh, No, not really. So Jalen Hurts was asked, uh, I think, by Jason Kersey from The Athletic, just how to make sure that the team is focused coming off a game like Houston and playing a team like South Dakota. Because at Alabama, it seems like every single year, the Crimson Tide play at least one FCS team. And so... Hertz has experience playing against teams like that, and one of the first things Hertz brought up and mentioned was that they're gonna prepare for every single team the same way and that he's gonna let us, as in the media and the public, talk about the rat poison. And oh, is that the, where
1: that came from?
0: Yeah. I saw and people he had on the biggest yeah, smile on. on his face.
1: Okay. Yeah, I saw people talking about that online and I didn't really know where it came from, but there you go. So um, I mean, uh, do you really think they pre- they prepare for South Dakota the same as everyone else? No, of course. Sorry, Jalen, you're kind of full of uh, full of s-word, man. No, you you guys do not.
0: <laughs> no, this is a classic game where you focus on yourself, and Oklahoma has a lot to to uh, take from that Houston game, and they just want to improve a lot of things and just focus on doing their job. And I think you kind of alluded to this in the last podcast, Grant, about Alabama's philosophy and what the Crimson Tide tries to drill into their players, that it's not really about anybody else. It's about our team and us playing at an elite level and taking care of our job, because that's the way we will end up winning a national title, because if we just do what we need to do and have a high standard, then wins will come. Is that kind of uh, a paraphrase of what you were trying to get at last week? And that's kind of what I got out of Jalen Hurts a little bit from that press conference.
1: Exactly. And we touched it on a little bit, too. That's the mantra at Alabama, where he comes from. The entire time, they just have self-team goals that they're working on because otherwise, I don't know, beating everyone by 30 and 40 points every week would probably get a little boring. And so, so I you, will say... Sorry, go ahead. As I, as I say, yeah. So you do have to find other stuff to work on, and OU certainly does have things to work on. So I hope over the course of the week, that is what what they're focused on in practice uh, because that's going to be the best way uh, to make this game useful, which it otherwise really wouldn't be useful because uh, this game is not going to be particularly competitive.
0: No, it really, it really will not be. And real quick, whenever Jalen Hurts said the word rat poison and he had a huge smile on his face, a half second later he went back to just stoic with no smile, and it was... A really bizarre thing because he showed a little glimpse of some personality and you know exactly he was referencing because Nick Saban brought up the rat poison you know years ago or whatever so he was obviously referencing that but then he kind of in his head something clicked and he was like oh wait nope I got to go back to robot mode where I can't give any sort of uh emotions or any sort of bolted board material I just have to stay on script because uh Jalen Hurts is is like kind of like a robot again up at the podium he's very slow and deliberate with what he says and it was just kind of interesting that he had a, a brief glimpse of some personality and smiled and then immediately went back to just stone faced. i thought that was kind of funny i know you didn't see it but no it was a couple funny. uh
1: i don't know over the last couple years we've we've had you know a smattering of conversations about kind of like what you and i like to see personality wise in a quarterback and it's usually been brought up um The most specific example in my mind is is kind of when Baker Mayfield was going through all of his antics stage and whatnot when you know he's grabbing his junk and planting the and planting the flag and everything. Um, When I made the comment that Baker Mayfield's like his personality and kind of how he carries himself typically is not really what I want in my quarterback, and I bring it up just because man, Jalen Hurts is exactly what I want in my quarterback in that (laughs) regard. Just stoic. Nothing gets never too high, never too low. Always just stone faced. Uh, I love I love stuff like that. Like that's um, just always, always looks like he's focused. Um, I don't know. I I just I like people who carry themselves that way. And, and in, a, in a lot of respects, Kyler was the same way, which is why I kind of dug that sort of his personality. Um, but yeah, man, give me
0: give me this give me this type of quarterback all day long. All right. I actually asked Jalen a couple questions on Tuesday. I have one of the questions because I thought it was one of his better answers. And uh, not to pat myself on the back, but it's tough to get a decent answer out of Jalen Hurts. And it's a kind of a standard answer, but at least he gave us something. So I'll play that here in a little bit. But before we get to that, let's just do our brief overview of this South Dakota Coyote Coyotes. Coyotes. I know I was I was watching a little bit of their game against montana last week and i heard an announcer call them the coyotes so we'll just go with that i'm sure it's coyotes but i sure you know, hope actually
1: it's, it's you know what i really hope it's not coyotes i hope it is coyotes you know I mean, that's Infinity what the, of the announcer for said Blues, but i didn't know if obviously. that was just a
0: nickname or or whatever but it doesn't really matter coyotes is way better way better well the coyotes lost at home to montana state is it Montana State or Montana? Hold on. Let me uh, let me pull up the box score here.
1: I think it was Montana.
0: It was Montana, yes. The Grizz. The, the Grizz ranked number 25 in FCS football. And so let's see. Let's go over just a quick bit of the the box score just because this is a podcast, we might as well. The offense doesn't seem to be very good, Grant. Only 352 total yards, averaged 5.6 yards per play. Looks like they passed it a little bit better than they rushed it. 246 yards through the air, only 106 yards on the ground, only averaged 3.5 yards per rush. I mean, when you go through these numbers, South Dakota's a bad football team. Grant, I was looking back. They've had one winning season in the last seven years, and that one winning season was not last year whenever – South Dakota went 4-7, and seven, but did give Kansas State, as we all remember, a run for their money in Manhattan a season ago. But K-State ended up pulling out the win 27-24. to But yeah, Grant, only one winning season in the last seven years. Again, this is a bad football team Oklahoma will be feel facing like a, on Saturday. I
1: feel like there's quite a bit of correlation between FCS teams giving FBS teams trouble and and those FBS teams not being able to complete forward passes very well at all. I feel like there's <laughs> a referencing there's Kansas a, State. There's a very high uh, high correlation there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if it really behooves us to go that much more in detail on South Dakota. Mainly one because we didn't have a lot of time to do it, and two, this is a game that Oklahoma should win and win by a lot of points in a game where Jalen Hurts very well could be out by the midway or two thirds of the way through the second quarter would you well, expect yeah well i mean i was gonna say you
1: you're, you're probably right about all that stuff but it's a good thing i did like two and a half hours of research on south dakota all the way <laughs> back in right. june
0: that's right
1: yeah and i wrote it all down and saved it so uh what have you no, got i mean there's there's not much here they're they're not good they're you know their their numbers weren't particularly impressive even for fcs so um you know their best player is probably their quarterback he's he's a senior he was fourth nationally in the fcs last year in passing yards so that's kind of his claim to fame he only threw for a little over three thousand yards so it's not like it's an astronomical amount here um and he also if you remove non-sack yardage as well he led the team in rushing as well so he is a bit of a dual threat um having that been said he's he's not going to be derek king back there um i think i think ou is probably going to have some success getting after him a little bit uh, in this game, you know. Other than that, they got a couple of receivers back. You know, both of them caught over forty-five passes last year. But I, you know, does any of this matter? No, not really. <laughs> there, I, OU is going to be able to name their score. And, and actually, now we'll we'll talk about this and what we want to see. But you know, this is a game really where OU needs to shut these guys out and they need to score a lot of points and i uh, and of course you know games play out differently and we can judge it you know based off what they put on film but uh this is a game where you don't need to mess around just just put these guys away and move on
0: all right before we get into a soundbite from jalen hurts let's go over a couple of news and notes from lincoln riley's tuesday press conference Wrote a couple of things down injury-wise. He said they got out of the game against Houston with just your standard bumps and bruises. Dylan Famatahu, he said, was close to playing, uh, said that he probably could have played. So Famatahu is close to being back. So that's why we didn't see him, Grant, because he's uh, he's nicked up. He's He's been hurt. So well, there you go. that explains that. Uh, also, Kenneth Mann. We haven't talked much about Kenneth Mann, but uh, he's been nicked up and injured as well. According to Riley, he said that Mann was very close. Uh, or no he is very close now he wasn't close to p- he said he wasn't going to be available to play like he wasn't close to playing on on Sunday but right now as of Tuesday he was very close and instead of weeks away he said Kenneth Mann is just days away from being good to go so we'll see if man suits up for Saturday I would guess just because it's the FCS team maybe they'll give him another week to to recover from whatever ails him
1: now I do want to talk about that for a little bit Oh, okay. Because presumably, right, if he if you kinda reinsert him into the rotation, you would think and of course this is just based off off one game, but you would think he would get a lot of Marcus Stripling's snaps, right?
0: Right, right. That's what I'll I'll guess too.
1: I don't want that. I don't
0: I don't want that. Well, you gotta give (laughs) Kenneth Mann a shot. Sure. I'm not saying
1: I'm not not saying put man on the bench and just let him just languish there. but I mean I kinda want Stripling getting those snaps.
0: Just after uh, the experience, and because he's you know talented, he. I can he already get, tell he got talked up well in fall yeah. camp.
1: In 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 one game, I already know he's more talented, more athletic, and has a higher motor than Kenneth Man.
0: Well, we'll see. Maybe Man won't even earn a the ability to to get those snaps. But having I that mean, been we'll said,
1: see. I also I also acknowledge that Kenneth Mann had what five and a half sacks in twenty seventeen, kind of playing in like spot pass rushing duty. And I you know, that sounds great. I'll take five and a half sacks from Kenneth Mann off the bench.
0: That's right. Yeah. He was that was his thing in twenty seventeen because he wasn't a full time player, but yeah, he he loved the team in sacks coming in. Or was it was he did the team in sacks or was no, he was the leading returner in sacks last year. Yeah. Snacks. I said <laughs> snacks. <laughs> and he also had a team too. in snacks. Snacks yeah. are very good. Yes. Great. Yes. Uh so yeah, I mean, those are the kind of the news and notes. Also TJ Pledger Uh, We brought him up a little bit last podcast. Uh, Riley did confirm he had some minor surgery on his hand last week and that he will be back at some point this uh, this season. And also, just the other news and notes thing I I found interesting about the press conference is that he was asked about R.J. Proctor and Eric Swinson at left tackle, and he said it was fair that that's a position that they still are kind of evaluating as far as who the full-time starter is going to be because we saw Proctor start the game, but then we saw Swinson take a lot of the snaps after, I think, the first quarter so what an odd
1: situation yeah. like he's never beaten has never really done that he's Ooh, never really yeah. switched guys off like that as sort of a so i wonder what the i wonder what what his bit is there i wonder what they're trying to do like are they actually is it is it almost just kind of like a tryout or i like i don't i don't really get it because of course all the all the news that that swinson was dealing with an injury leading up to the first game and it looks like he was obviously healthy enough to play but that's yeah, just a, it's a weird thing and we're never going to get a clear answer on it. That's just not how this coaching staff operates. Well, how about but, this
0: though? Just think in terms of last season with Jonathan Alvarez getting the nod at center. Creed wasn't playing though, and then Creed coming. He, I mean, Creed came in a mop up duty, you know, as, as part of the twos. And then after about what two, three games or so, Creed took his job. So sure, but it wasn't a.
1: But like with Creed, like with this situation, they were they weren't necessarily rotating, but. It yeah. did see, like Proctor played the entire first half, and then Swinson played the entire second half. So it's just it was just a weird situation, is all. Like I, and honestly, I, I didn't really notice either of them that much. I I, I do think that Houston game was kind of a, a a wait and see game for the offensive line. I think they were just so much so much better athletically and size wise that we're not going to know a whole ton about about that front. Honestly, maybe until they play Texas, but um yeah maybe at ah, Texas tech maybe I'm not giving Texas tech maybe enough credit there, but um yeah, I, I don't know it- it's a weird situation i i I generally would prefer to put the guy who has played left tackle presumably his entire life there um but at the same time r j. proctor is is clearly a very valuable member of uh, of the offensive line
0: so I will say that uh, unfortunately, I was not able to go to the Tuesday evening media availability. Brian Mueller, my co worker at News 9, went and he got Alex Grinch, but he wasn't able to get anybody else. So I have not been able to hear Bill Beedenbow because I'm pretty sure Beedenbow spoke Tuesday. So if there's any information that, that Beedenbow relayed to the media that I just haven't gathered since then, that's my apologies for not having on the podcast, but that's all we know. Uh, what I know is from Lincoln Riley's presser when it come in regards to the offensive line. So I don't know if you've read anything from any other media. Out I read Grant, kind of a
1: summary of what Bo said, um, and it was it was pretty much exactly what you just said.
0: All right. Well, yeah. And uh, the fact that I hadn't really heard any any big time nuggets kind of come out of the media availability Tuesday evening makes me feel like I didn't miss a whole lot. The biggest
1: takeaway from i is that he said that Swinson and Proctor would continue to rotate. That, that was it.
0: Okay. All right, let's talk some offense here. And the offense, as we discussed a little bit on the last podcast, obviously the offense was great. Jalen Hurts broke some records. He ran the ball really well. He threw the ball really well. But only 49 points. And for somebody who had the Sooners minus the points – in a fun game they like to play and Oklahoma didn't cover that was annoying plus the two turnovers was annoying as well Oklahoma should have scored more points against that Houston team so I asked Jalen Hurts a question at the press conference just trying to get him to to open up a little bit and, and see what he had to say just your standard you know improvement type question and here's what Jalen had to say now that you've got tape hey, like against a different team now finally with Oklahoma after all the months you've been here what are you looking to to improve from week one to week two personally? Um, like I said, I think we need to just be more crisp, um, sharpen up some things, um, and, and be better in our execution. Um, you know, we, 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 we went out there and kind of left some money on the table at times, and um, we can't afford that at all. Um, we need to take advantage of every opportunity, um, so we're going to work ourselves tails off this week and try and, and, try and fix it. So my favorite part Hertz says that they left some money on the field or on the table. I can't remember what he said. Money on the table. To- money on the table. I hadn't heard that before. Left some money on the table. And you know what? Yeah, you didn't leave some money on the table, Jalen, because you guys didn't cover and you know, now I got my bookie after that. I'm here. not
1: I'm not sure he was specifically referencing the uh you don't the think spread so? there. Okay. No, I really no. don't. No. Right. I think well, I think he was probably from that. He was probably uh probably talking about the the twenty-one points they left on the field. I was thinking <laughs> Not to more the turnovers. Yeah, I was. I, I was thinking more, and and I say twenty-one points because I am. I am of the opinion that you should never kick field goals. So um, <laughs> yes, I was thinking about this actually when I was driving home from work today, and like I don't, you know, I don't want to hear anything about like field goal kickers and stuff this year, and about missing field goals, and like like let's say later down the line, let's say they lose a game or something this year because they miss a few field goals. Honestly, if you send a field goal kicker out there in the college game, you deserve everything that's coming to you. That is my final opinion on on college field goal kickers. So I'm just going to say it right now.
0: Well, here's my response to that, though. It seemed like in a lot of the games that I watched this past weekend and then on Monday night with that Notre Dame-Louisville game... It really did seem like a lot of the times that coaches sent some kickers out to kick some, you know, relatively makeable field goals. The kickers seemed to make them. <laughs> like I, I know, obviously there's some. I mean, look at the. This is the easy one, but look at uh, Nevada from last week. Dude hit like a 55 yarder or 56 yarder to win the game. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. So it seems like other teams can figure it out. It's all. It's like these teams from these lower. These teams that aren't Oklahoma. It's like there's less pressure on these teams, so therefore there's like less pressure on the kicker to like, ah, whatever. We're not that good anyway. So if you make this or miss this, who cares? And like the, the kickers seem to have no pressure on them and they make them. Where it's like at Oklahoma and even like at Alabama too, because they always have historically bad kicking, it seems like. These big blue blood blue blood programs, for whatever reason, it's like these kickers are always just they're, they're so tense and I granted I know callum Sutherland was his first game kicking and he was asked to kick a near 50 yarder that's not easy but I mean you're at home you've been doing this all off season I mean it I can't I don't expect you to make the 49 yarder but the 35 yarder at the end of the first half I mean make that you know make that kick it, yeah I find yeah, it interesting he, that blue blood type teams it seems like just they, kicking doesn't seem to be a strength for a lot of these teams or I shouldn't say a lot but some of them
1: yeah, let me let me let me also say that yeah, if you're at the twenty five yard line with two seconds to go in the half, it, it's it's probably smarter to kick a field goal. I'm not I'm not advocating you to just the, to you know <laughs> to throw a shot into the end zone in that in that regard, or at the end of the game when you're trying to win a game. That's fine. I get it. But at the same man, score touchdowns. It's just three points is is worthless in two thousand and nineteen. Go score go score touchdowns.
0: Well, three points aren't worthless to the teams that <laughs> that don't have offenses like Oklahoma's. I just they hate will...
1: kickers. Hey, kickers! My fantasy league, we got rid of kickers this year, and it was the happiest I've ever really?
0: been. You got rid of kickers in your fantasy league?
1: Yeah, it was. It was long time coming. I've been I've been advocating for it for years.
0: All right. Let's see. I have two more pieces of sound to play. One of them is from Lincoln Riley, and it's on penalties and things like that so it's not really offensive related and then the other one is defensive related so let's cover more offensive stuff right now let's try to think of how about this and I know we're kind of jumping to conclusions but if this isn't the case Oklahoma something has gone very wrong in this game if Jalen Hurts is not out of the game by by the latest obviously by the latest like the fourth quarter Uh, but you know late first half midway through third quarter you know if, if the subs aren't coming in there's a problem so let's assume that there's going to be a lot of players that get some run on Saturday offensively any guys that you're particularly excited to kind of see it go out there and I know they're playing South Dakota but you'd like to see them playing in a real college football game
1: I mean I know I'm breaking a lot of news here but I really want to see Spencer Rattler
0: yeah so do I he's
1: he's the guy I want to see the most It'll
0: I would be interesting I, to see how much they give to Mordecai and then how much they give to Rattler
1: yeah Um, And so I I think the ideal situation here is that Jalen plays the first half and then Mordecai takes
0: the third quarter and Rattler takes the fourth quarter. I think that'd be fair. Yeah, it would be fair. And if if Mike Gundy was the coach and it was 2018, he'd have Jalen Hurts play the first half or the first three quarters and then he'd bring in Tanner Schaefer to mop up the rest of the game.
1: (laughs) I I guarantee you. I, I bet Riley wants to get Schaefer
0: in there too. I bet. That's true. Yeah, he'll probably get him in too. So he'll probably get all the quarterbacks. In. Yeah. He wants to get all the guys. So
1: in. I, yeah, to answer your question, I want, I want Hertz out of there after the first half. I'd like him to so, play yeah, the I'm- entire first half just, you, just to get reps. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they're up like 42 or 49 to nothing at halftime. And they just take him out.
0: Yeah, I'm also looking forward to seeing Rattler and. I just thought of this one player that Riley did not mention at his press conference, and he wasn't asked directly about was Marcus Major, the running back who missed Sunday's game. And I think I saw maybe on Twitter or some of the the beat writers mentioning that maybe it was like Marcus Major had maybe a like a bum hamstring or something like that, and maybe that's why he didn't play. But the fact that Riley didn't mention him either, he forgot to mention Major as far as the injury report, or Major is going to be fine. I bring it up because if he's good to go, obviously I'd like to see him get a couple carries and see what he looks like out there. Again, even though it's with South Dakota, it'd be nice to see him just to kind of get a feel of what he looks like back there at running back. How about this, Lee?
1: This, I'm going to pull this one out here. I don't, I don't think you're going to expect this one. Especially considering you know, the, the three freshman receivers they have, which I'm excited to see as well. But how about this? I want to see some Drake Stoops catches, man.
0: Oh, yeah, Drake Stoops, We all got super excited for his first catch against FAU last year, and then after that, he he kind of disappeared. So, yeah, he is another guy that certainly can get some run, and he's it's got gonna a lot be, of talent.
1: It's going to be so awesome when Drake Stoops catches the, uh, the, the winning touchdown pass in the national championship from, like, the one-yard line on a pick play in the flat. I can't wait.
0: So you're saying that Drake Stoops is going to end up uh, building his role to where he's... You know, i playing as many snaps as a guy, I don't know, like let's say like like a Lee Morris or maybe even like, I guess like, like, like throw a Michael Jones in there who you uh-huh. know, had a catch the other night. So okay, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. It's going to be like, it's going to come full circle for Jalen Hurts. He started his college career on the sideline watching Deshaun Watson complete that same pass to Hunter Renfro. Jalen Hurts is going to end his career doing it to Alabama, the exact same play. Going to walk <laughs> it off the winner. Do you think that the state of Oklahoma would explode? Like actually explode? Like, do mm-hmm. you think there would be like a like like? Do uh, you think the Richter scale Richter scale would register uh like, you know, an earthquake if that happened?
0: Well, yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of earthquakes in and around Oklahoma. Like, would the, the state of here, Oklahoma so I, cease I think it's to exist? Possible. Would mm. it
1: cease to exist if that happened? Drake hmm. Stoops catches the touchdown pass to win the national championship to beat alabama in the national title game and then the very first quick cut the camera does is to bob stoops celebrating in the uh, in the press box you think the state of oklahoma would cease to exist
0: <laughs> no bob stoops in the press box hugging baker mayfield who was there for some reason
1: oh yeah 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 that does it he he could be there it, that yeah. game's played like on a monday
0: and then they do another cutaway down to the sidelines, and Kyler's down on the sidelines for some reason because they wanted him to for an interview down there. That's why he wasn't up there with Bob and Baker. And for the first Kyler- time in his
1: life, yeah, for, for the first time in his life, Kyler
0: shows emotion. Man. <laughs> and then the last thing you see is I don't, I don't know where he's going to be. I was gonna try to figure out a way to get Mike Stoops in here, but I don't know if that would help.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so at this point in time.
0: Nope. Well, you know, if the defense plays a little bit better, maybe you know, as time goes by, people, people forgive, you know. And it'd be it'd be good to see Mike Stoops because he you know he had a title with Oklahoma back in the day. He'd be happy for him.
1: Still upset maybe. about still upset about the
0: 2003 Big 12 Championship game. People <laughs> don't forget. Uh, all right. So that's the offense. Not a whole lot else to to go on when it comes to the offense. I thought I had something, but I've forgotten it, thinking about this ridiculous scenario that you've. It's South you've put Dakota out there.
1: week. We might as well. We might as well have some fun with it. Um, oh, I
0: remember. I was going to say, uh, as we have seen the last couple of years with Lincoln Riley as the head coach, and you, maybe it's ever since he's been the offensive coordinator, who we see catching passes kind of early on in the year, except for like the main guys, you know, CD, Calcaterra, things like that. By the end of the year, it's it's kind of it's not always going to be the same because, I mean, early on, I remember like, what was the big one in 2017? Like Marquise Brown wasn't even a factor against Ohio State. Uh, yeah.
1: Hollywood didn't even really start playing a lot until until the week after OU Texas.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Rodney Anderson wasn't really a factor either. And it was then that Kansas State in. game
1: yeah. is when is when Rodney and Hollywood both sort of had their their coming out party.
0: Rodney, kind of in the OU Texas game. He had a nice game. I think he's he's definitely scored one touchdown. He might have scored two against Texas.
1: He had a touchdown, but he didn't. But I think he had like 200 yards against Kansas State.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, Kansas State was a big one. Yeah. And Marquise had a big game, too. So, all right, let's move on to Lincoln Riley talking about penalties because it was really annoying that one drive that was extended by one, the bad PI call, but then it was extended by Pat Fields' personal foul. And then Delarian Turner Yale had a personal foul. And so it's a legitimate question to the Lincoln Riley, just about penalties and and I kind of liked what he had to say about aggression, but then it kind of goes into more of what he's seen in the past and I think when you'll hear this bite from Riley, then it'll give us something to talk about I've never been one to lose my mind on one penalty here and there because if that if that dog doesn't bite, you can you can go having no penalties and look up at the scoreboard and it's not gonna be a pretty sight. So, I mean, that dog's gotta bite. But at the same time, there's certainly a line. We want to be physical, but we gotta know where the line is. I, I thought in the past we've had some more just stupid ones. You know, talking over talking to a guy, whatever, shoving a guy after a play. Some of those I, I some of these were a little bit more aggressive and and within the game and guys understanding rules so I, they've got to get educated better but you now it, it'll cost us down the line I mean we've got to we got to find that line of playing on edge but also playing smart we, we certainly need to do a better job all right your thoughts on that soundbite from Lincoln well I don't know man
1: get your get your offensive line together they're the ones who have had this problem the most the last three years mostly <laughs> Orlando Brown to be honest with you but um I know. those dogs it?
0: got a bite though yeah they you know I, I
1: get it the the Marquise Hayes one actually doesn't it doesn't bother me as much because he was just kind of finishing the play and of course he he blocked the guy all the way out of bounds and whatnot and so that was kind of dumb but at least it was within the aggression of like the actual game Whereas Orlando's stuff was always after the whistle, and it was always extra and always way over aggressive, almost like he was trying to get flagged. And that bugs me. I don't like that stuff.
0: So you're focusing more on the offensive line and, and the, the Hayes penalty, whereas I focus more on the defensive back penalties, and I like what you said about.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm mostly saying, though, it's, it's, no, I'm just it's, saying, it's like, mostly it's been on the offensive line different. lately. So, okay. Yeah, and I don't know. Like You could also – I'm trying to think here. Like, there, there's some people who who will try to sneak in, like, maybe that extra hit on the quarterback just so that they think about it next time, and, you know, I, I'm not really sure what my take is on this, and I know a lot of people, like, sometimes they say, well, if you're really aggressive on defense and you're a mean defense, sometimes the penalties just come with it. I'm not sure what my take is yet, but I think I lean towards, yeah, that's not right. I think you can be aggressive and have an awesome defense and still be really disciplined and not have a ton of penalties. I, I think two things can be true at once. I just, I hate penalties. Stupid, uh, especially after the whistle. That stuff is so dumb. I, I just, I, I guess I just don't understand that. I, I've never understood what drives people to do that, to be honest with you, when you know you're going to get flagged. Like, wh- why? Why
0: do it? Well, it's an emotional game and we're not there on the I know, field I know. it's easy for us. It's, but, you know, you and I, the way we are, Uh, just our personality the way we're wired uh, even if we were on the field and I mean we we both played football not nearly at obviously this level but you know back when I was playing and when you play I mean I never really got to the point where I would I would do something that dumb I don't think I would I I never got pushed that far because that's just kind of we're very low-key and just kind of play and do your job Uh, the reason I think I focus more on the defensive back penalties than the offensive line stuff that you were talking about which is a very valid point you made is that I think the the defensive penalties obviously hurt Oklahoma more because the defense has been so bad. Whereas, like, yeah, offensive penalties suck too, but Oklahoma's offense is so good that eh, they can they can bounce back or it won't be that big of a deal. So I think that's why I focus more on some of the PIs and uh, he said the dumb stuff. I think back to last year where think about all the defensive backs. Uh, it really did seem like. Brendan Radley-Hiles had a chip on his shoulder last year and talked quite a bit. Justin Broyles seemed like he talked quite a bit. I mean, Trey Norwood even would seem like – I mean, all the guys. I mean, I, I feel like I'm singling some guys out that just come to hit in my mind. But, like, a lot of those players last season, it seemed like they would kind of get chippy for no reason because they, were, they weren't they very good uh, team-wise. I mean, they're 129 pass defense. So, to me, that's what Riley was referencing is kind of the dumb stuff in the past. and And, you know, through one game – there were some dumb penalties that we didn't like. As the defense grows and they play more in this scheme, and hopefully they play better. Hopefully it gets more to that that defense that you want, where they can be aggressive and smart and disciplined, but also not commit stupid after the whistle penalties.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's the after the whistle stuff with like throwing guys down and like trying to get an extra hit in there. That stuff drives me insane. But I suppose I do. I, I can empathize with the emotional aspect of it i back in the day when i used to play baseball i used to chirp guys all the time when i got frustrated so you know i i, I can understand I, I never did stuff physical but baseball is also not a physical game so I, I i can understand it i suppose in that light
0: all right the last piece of sound we have is from alex grinch just him talking tuesday evening and the very first part of this soundbite i think is the best part and then he kind of just gives a an overall and overall, the kind of thought or just like a, an update on the defense as a whole. But uh, the very beginning of this, I think, is the best part. But we'll listen to the whole thing. did we finish very well. Um, you know, if the, if the scoreboard gets tilted in a certain way and it affects your performance, and that says something about you as a competitor. Um, and obviously, it's our responsibility to coaches to make sure that uh, we have elite competitors out there. So, again, it falls back on us. I think we finished particularly well. But 26 guys got in the game. Um, I know I've been talking that 22 number uh, over time, but 26 guys uh, at least uh, got a, you know, a handful of reps. Some obviously more than others, which is, which is good working. Some guys took their first college snap, So uh, certainly there's a positive, and the biggest positive is find a way to get a win. So I don't know if you can hear it very well, Grant. On the podcast, they will be able to hear it better. But uh, he at the very beginning, Grinch said that if the scoreboard gets tilted a certain way and it affects your performance, that says something about you as a competitor.
1: Yes, Yes,
0: mm-hmm. and, and that's, obviously referencing the fact that you know once Oklahoma was up what forty-two to seventeen, the defense started to give up a little more yards and points, and Houston I was able to move the ball more.
1: Freaking hate garbage time. I hate it so much, and I think it's it's been it's been a decade now where OU has just given up gobs and gobs of yards and points and garbage time, and I'm sick of it. Stop it.
0: <laughs> I am too. I am also very sick of it. And I went back, and as we transition down to the defensive discussion, I went back and watched the game, as I mentioned in the opening take, two, three more times, and I took a lot of notes, and particularly watched the secondary players. And Grant, I saw a theme as I went on. First of all, I want to point this out. So I did first half, second half, breaking it down as far as yards per play. And remember, for the game, Oklahoma allowed about 5.9 yards per play, which is not great, but... When you take into account that they're playing Houston, it's it's not that bad. It it uh, might
1: it relatively it might look good later on in the season, depending on what Houston does. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. like seriously, I mean that's yeah, like, exactly, if, yeah, yeah. What if
1: Houston has is like the number six offense in the country? I'm just throwing a number out there, and they sure. average like seven yards a play. We'll look back on that game and be like, yeah,
0: all right, exactly. they did a good job, exactly. Mm-hmm. And in the first half, Oklahoma only allowed five point five yards per play. They allowed. 143 total yards in the first half, and I'm looking at drives, significant drives that weren't, you know, they kind of ended at the half or in garbage time in the last, the last like minute and a half. I think Houston had a drive, and uh, in this in the fourth quarter is like whatever. Uh, and so transitioning second half though, Houston gained 6.6 yards per play, so they improved their yards per play in the second half by more than a full yard. And what I noticed is that it seemed like once it was about it was 42 17 and even 42 24 at some points in the fourth quarter I remember Alex Grinch mentioned after the game that he took responsibility because he kind of thought Houston would be throwing a lot more in the fourth quarter and what Houston ended up doing was passing a lot more I kind of understood what he meant by that running when I a went lot back more. oh what did I say
1: you said passing a lot more that's okay. okay yeah
0: yeah Alex Grinch assumed they'd pass a lot whereas Houston ended up running a lot more in the fourth quarter okay uh and You look at the way that the defensive backs played in the fourth quarter a lot of times. They played back, giving a lot of cushion. Whereas most of the game, as I talked about in the opening take, Oklahoma was playing a lot of, I don't want to, I'm going to call it press coverage because I think when I say press coverage, you all know what I mean. A defensive back near the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage challenging a guy but it doesn't necessarily mean they're playing press man coverage uh but that backed off a lot in the fourth quarter I think that correlated to a lot of the explosive running plays when Houston was uh was gaining those chunk yards because they had the defensive backs back and there wasn't many people in the box and I guess there was just you know six seven in the box but there was a lot of room in the secondary to kind of run and Derek King is very shifty And even that running back they brought in, Molba Carr, was kind of a big bruiser, and he wasn't too bad either. So I think that's why they were able to run the ball a lot more. But Grant, I, I know you didn't hear my opening take yet, but I'll throw this out there. We can talk about it right now. Out of the 69 snaps Houston had, Oklahoma had at least one corner at the line of scrimmage challenging their receiver on 50 of those snaps. So 50 out of 69 snaps, there's at least one guy. And I sent you some notes, and I I, I don't know if you're looking at it right now, but multiple uh, multiple snaps, it's more than one guy. It's, it's at least two, if not three sometimes on third down when they'd move Brendan Radley-Hiles or Chance Sylvie into the slot to play press coverage on their man. So Alex Grinch was challenging these guys, these cornerbacks more specifically, to play up on the line of scrimmage and either play press man coverage or play their zone if that's what their responsibility was for that play, and I thought that was really evident on the watch, on the rewatch, the second rewatch, and it, it's very encouraging moving forward.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, and I think we're I I, <laughs> I I think we're gonna see that, you know, going forward this year, and and that's a good thing. We've been <laughs> we've been clamoring for it for for years now. Um. Did you did you notice, Lee, and I'm just kind of tossing this at you randomly. Did you notice, uh, especially on the outside, how the corners were shading the guys to the inside or the outside?
0: I didn't watch that closely. I did notice that when I was at practice, you know, a few weeks ago, the there wasn't really one way or the other. It was kind of almost head up. And I watched this uh, – gosh, what's the Vikings' really good corner? Um, Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. And I watched this – xavier rhodes thing in the summer on nfl game pass and it was just him talking about being a cornerback and and all of his like how he's so good and it was really interesting really fun and i kind of watched a lot of the plays that they highlighted with him when he was playing corner and i made a point to watch like okay oh, see shading guys on the inside outside and there really wasn't a rhyme or reason for how he shaded guys sometimes he was head up on them sometimes he was a little bit inside but every single time every single play they showed he was playing man so that could be one of those things where it's just kind of like a comfort level thing, maybe depending on the player or the coach. And you know, when I was taught, again, this doesn't matter because it was in high school and it was a long time ago, the games changed a lot. I was always taught you're playing man, you got an inside shade, and that's kind of way you play it. But again, I don't think that's, that's how a, I would a do it too. Fast it's rule.
1: It, it's harder to complete passes to the sideline and also the sideline is an extra defender. It just makes mm-hmm. sense.
0: So yeah, I'll make a point to watch for that more closely moving forward. Uh, I did want to highlight one sequence, and it was the sequence in the fourth quarter when Oklahoma did get off the field and they stopped Houston on fourth down. It was our intro. And the play before that, it was a third-and-five play. And, again, Grant, I don't know if you have these notes up, but you can kind of follow along. And Houston was in a two-by-two set, and it was a situation where Oklahoma had Parnell Motley and Trey Brown in a corner. They were both up on the line of scrimmage playing press, and they had Chance Sylvian as the nickel in the slot – playing press as well, and Oklahoma rushed five, and Neville Gallimore just blew right through the A-gap. He split a double team, and De'Arrick King was looking to his left where he had a hitch route and then a fade route in progress, but after two seconds, he had to abandon that because of the pressure by Gallimore, and also he had to abandon that because he didn't have any obvious receiver to throw the football to because both Sylvie and Parnell Motley were step-for-step with their man, and only because – they were at the line of scrimmage at the snap. And also, to add to it, Justin Broyles was in at safety playing free safety, and he was the overhang safety providing help for Sylvie and Motley. So the, that entire side of the field was covered very nicely. And then you throw in the fact that Kenneth Murray, who was spying De'Eric King, he, would, he tracked down King because King, obviously, very shifty. He pulled it down, saw some green grass, and started to run. But then Kenneth Murray, doing his job, tracked him down and stopped him for only a two-yard gain. That set up the fourth and three. And then on fourth down and three, you heard in the intro, it was a three-by-one set. Both Brown and Motley were both up at the line of scrimmage playing their receiver. And Parnell Motley got a jam on his guy. And that's who the play was designed to go to because that receiver was running a tunnel screen. And Motley's jam held him up just enough to disrupt the timing. And King's throw went incomplete because he had Neville Gallimore barreling down on him. Boom, turnover on downs. I think a lot of it was because, obviously, one, Oklahoma got some pressure with Neville Gallimore. Big ups to him. But also, two, having the defensive backs, the cornerbacks more particularly, up at the line of scrimmage, challenging the receivers. I think we saw it directly impact those two plays of that game. I want to see, obviously, more of that moving forward. And I think Oklahoma will only get better at it as the season progresses. That was really good. Good job, Lee.
1: Thank you. Yeah, was right, let's that move the, on. That one where Sorry, uh, the the one where Murray tracked uh, ran down King on third and five was that the one where he clotheslined lined him? Yeah,
0: I I prefer to use hogtied, but yeah,
1: that was Kenneth Murray's best play as an Oklahoma Sooner. I have I have decided that was a, that. was a, it also
0: in the first half one time.
1: Yeah, uh, that was on the first drive, but but he was. I think that was on Marquez Stevenson, but he was a little closer. He didn't go like across the field to to track him down. Oh yeah,
0: he did. Yeah, he did it to Marquez Stevenson too yeah, on like, I'm the just, first pass completion of the game.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying he was spying King. I think he was on the opposite side of the formation, and then stride for stride, just ran him down, and, and kind of killed him before he before he even really got close to the first down marker. That was the best play he's made in a, in an Oklahoma uniform, and I mean that was an All American level play. So I think when 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 you think about the um, uh, when you think about everything that Kenneth Murray is capable of and what he can do think of that play that was that's an all American level play and if, if if we see that consistently out of Kenneth Murray this year, then I just I don't even know I don't even know where this defense can go it, it only can go
0: up uh, speaking of the defense and I know you're talking about Kenneth Murray, but I mentioned Neville Gallimore a moment ago when Lincoln Riley was asked about the defensive line, and just kind of after he reviewed the tape, you know, what stood out. The first person he brought up was Ronnie Perkins. He thought Ronnie Perkins stood out a lot. And then he he talked about some other guys too, but I think it's it's warranted to mention that Ronnie Perkins was the first guy he said that jumped out to him on tape, and that's fair. Ronnie Perkins had a great game, and I think so did Neville Gallimore, and I think obviously Kenneth Murray did too. All right, Grant, let's get to it. This is the point of the show where we ask – or we talk about what we want to see happen in the game on Saturday, just kind of specifically what we're looking for, and then also what will happen. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll start with this. What do I want to see happen on Saturday? I'm with you. I want to see a shutout of South Dakota. This is a, a football program that's not one of the good ones of the FCS. Again, only one winning season in the last seven years. They pressed Kansas State last year, but that doesn't mean anything because K-State was not very good a season ago, especially in week one. I want to see the defense not take this team lightly. I, I want them to play their base and not really give anything away film-wise, but I think playing their base and just being disciplined will be enough for them to get pressure on the quarterback, stop the run, You know, play each gap, and and not give up really any big plays. I mean, it, everyone practices, though. I mean, South Dakota might get you know one or two explosive plays, but I want to see no points on the board. I want to see a lot of guys get in as well. Alex Grinch mentioned that 26 guys played for him on defense last week that's quite a bit i anticipate he'll keep rotating players in the same way we'll probably see a lot more guys will robert barnes get some action this week he didn't see the field at all last week i'm not sure if that's injury related or just coach's decision but i would assume he'll get some action would uh will and again i'll, I'll bring this up we haven't talked about it at all but chance sylvie was arrested on monday early monday morning and according to uh oklahoma spokesperson they're handling that matter internally Will Chant Sylvie even play on Saturday? I would guess probably not.
1: Before anyone so, freaks out, it was it was traffic stuff, so I don't care.
0: It was traffic stuff, but also it was the second time he's been arrested in the last six months for the like same it's obviously stuff, not so. good
1: to get arrested, but honestly, if it's for outstanding parking tickets,
0: I think it's like moving violations, speeding, things like that. But yeah, it's it's of that variety. It's of traffic variety. Everyone
1: has that friend that just gets a ton of tickets and doesn't do a great job of keeping track of them everyone has that friend it's 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 something he needs to clean up in his personal life but i it's not a big deal
0: so yeah don't call us homers we're bringing up the fact that sylvie did get arrested but i bring it up also too in relation to the game will he play on saturday i wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play you know who knows what the internal punishment's going to be so hey if Ch- chance sylvie's not playing does that mean jeremiah Cradell kind of bumps up as uh as a nickel player behind brendan radley hiles and either way I, I would assume that he'll get some some playing time so i i, I want to see a lot of these younger players get get some work in but the main thing i want to see is i want to see no points scored by south dakota if South Dakota scores a touchdown and it's only seven, I'll be somewhat satisfied too. But then again, if I watch the first quarter of that game or something like that and South Dakota's offense looks like like garbage and then they end up scoring, I'm going to get kind of mad. So that's what I want to see happen. And obviously, I want to see Oklahoma win the game comfortably. What about you?
1: So yeah, I will echo exactly what you said. I want a shutout. And if, if a shutout does not happen... Um, I'll be pretty upset, to be honest with you. This is a game where you leverage your physical advantages. You don't need to show anything. You don't have to be super uh, super obscure with your scheme and whatnot. But you can beat these guys one-on-one easily every snap if you need to. Put your defensive backs up at the line and challenge the receivers every single play. Do not give them any space to operate, and they will not be able to operate. Period. Uh, so yeah I I, I want to see a shutout and I want to see I want to see extreme effort from everybody on the defense especially the guys in the second half who get in there uh, hopefully in mop-up time um, other things I want to see I'll, I'll just move to the offense I, I don't want to see any turnovers and I want to see the first teamers out by the end of the first half and I want to see a lot of those young guys I, I'd love to see Spencer Rattler uh, on the field at the same time with with Bridges Weiss uh, Hazelwood and Stogner I think that'd be fun um yeah, I I just I just want to see a lot of guys get in, and I just just take care of business, do what you're supposed to do, work on the things you need to work on, and and just kind of run these guys off the field because that's what you're supposed to do.
0: All right, yeah. Thanks for bringing up the offense because I didn't touch over uh, touch on what I wanted to see from the offense, but yeah, that's that same way. Obviously, no turnovers, move the ball at will. Oh, and also uh, no punts, no injuries on both sides. No, yeah, no, no injuries. injuries, yeah, and. Uh, this is going to be an immediate test of what Alex Grinch was, was saying about, hey, if you know, the scoreboard affects the way you play or, or your competitiveness, that's a, that's a you problem. It, I'm paraphrasing Alex Grinch. And the scoreboard should be pretty one-sided on Saturday. Uh, so we'll see how Oklahoma's effort is whenever the Sooners are, are leading by a substantial amount of points. All right, Grant, what will happen this Saturday? Give me a final score prediction.
1: I think they're going to win 63-7. to
0: I think they're going to win – gosh, I I over-projected the offense points-wise last week. I was off by 10, and they should have scored more. So I want to take that into account because I, part of me was thinking, okay, like 50 points. But you know what? I, I think they should score more than 50. I'm going to go 56 you know I'm gonna get aggressive, and this is my podcast along with you. And you know what? I'm just I want to throw it out. I'm gonna say Oklahoma wins this game fifty six to nothing. They get the they get the bagel. I That'd think cool. they're gonna to want to go for it. And man, I want to see it happen. And, and I'm gonna make a bold prediction: say Oklahoma covers the thirty nine point spread and wins fifty six to nothing. And we all are thinking, man, that was cool. This, I hope I'm right. This
1: I. 39 this is free money this is what this is like two and a half points higher than dukes or than than alabama spread over duke this past weekend
0: yeah i'm looking at the action network website and it says there's a consensus of minus 39 so you know who knows at, at like legitimate books or places that you can actually place a bet if it actually is 39 or if there's even a line on this game but that's, just, that's what the Action Network is giving me right now is a consensus line. I do kind of think... I mean, you don't see a whole lot of lines that are in the 40s, though. 40s or fifty I mean, that's kind of ridiculous.
1: I mean, we're talking about... I mean, this is a top-four team in the country that recruits like a top-five team in the country going up against a bad FCS team. 39 points is free money. Like, I mean, I just, I, I just predicted that they're going to win by 56.
0: And <laughs> I predicted they are going to win. Yeah, we both did. And, like, that uh, wouldn't
1: be that... Like weird. I remember back in 2009, um, which, was, which was one of Bob Stoops' down years. They had a great defense, but the offensive line was Swiss cheese, and that was Landry Jones' freshman season. Um, but they opened that season. They lost to BYU, of course, everyone remembers. And I remember um, they played Idaho State the next week at home in the home opener. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, geez, man, are they going to struggle against Idaho? Are they? I was like, I knew they were going to win, but I was like, God, are they going to struggle to block Idaho State up front? Their offensive line that bad, and no, they won like sixty six to nothing. And that was like Didn't that Idaho
0: was State get get a like a goal line stand against OU. Yeah, or was they that totally the did. Before? No,
1: they totally did. I remember that. Yeah, it like wasn't it was a like goal line. It wasn't a goal line stand. I think OU just had first and goal from like
0: the two, and it took them all four plays to get in. <laughs> uh, I mean, the year before that, two and oh eight, they played Chattanooga. Remember that? It was like UT Chatt Chattanooga, yeah, how about or something? and that? like they the game. The game got called because there's lightning or something and they yeah just, I mean like the game was final but they didn't play the full game first game oh, is an OU student yeah
1: I'm sure the defense
0: was pissed about that I'm pretty sure the final
1: score I don't know how I remember this the final score lean you can look this up on your computer right now the final score was 57 to 2 I bet yeah, the defense the safety. was safety
0: yeah, I bet the defense was pissed about the safety yeah another game where the defense you know, was mad about a safety and obviously the main one was the national title against Florida State uh, all right, so that's that's our South Dakota talk. Normally at this time we go over the Big 12, the rest of college football. I don't have a whole lot of time, Grant. I'll, I'll give us I mean, I got like f- maybe 10 minutes. Oh, that's so that's fine. We can go through this in 5 10 to minutes. 10 minutes. 5 okay. to 10 minutes. So, uh I don't have the Big 12 stuff here. I mean, obviously there's a huge Big 12 game or involving one big Big 12 team that's everyone's going to be watching, the game of the week, but uh do you have any do you want to talk about the Big 12 at all? I mean, obviously outside of the Texas game.
1: No, is there anything else interesting happening? When does Kansas State play Mississippi State?
0: Uh, let me look it up real quick. Kansas State's got Bowling Green this week. So next week probably? Okay. Uh, West Virginia at Missouri is, I mean, kind of a game. I mean, Missouri's favored by almost two touchdowns, but they just did lose to Wyoming. So I think, I think Missouri's
1: going to win that game by three to four touchdowns. Everyone knows I think West Virginia's terrible. So I don't Mm -hmm. and that's 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 Missouri's home opener. I think they'll probably rebound and I maybe maybe not three or four touchdowns, but I think they'll beat uh, they'll beat West Virginia by like
0: 17 to 20. So I'm looking at ESPN's website and they don't have a line for OU South Dakota. So it makes me kind of wonder if that number we gave out a moment ago is is pretty accurate. Uh, And I also bring that up, too, because I'm looking at Texas Tech against UTEP and UTEP is considered to be one of the worst maybe like the worst division one team, even though I guess UTEP won their season opener. So the Miners are one to Yeah, but, but it was uh, against, Te-
1: I think it was against Dallas Baptist though.
0: Oh, okay. So an FCS team. Yeah. Uh, Houston Baptist by uh, oh. two points. Okay. Well, there so, you go. So yeah, UTEP is, is seemingly always one of the worst team, may, maybe the worst team in college football and Texas techs at home against UTEP and tech is laying 34. So, if that line is actually accurate and Oklahoma's laying 39 against South Dakota, I mean, you're, you're 100% correct. And, and Tech's laying 34 against UTEP. I mean, that is free money for OU bettors.
1: Tech, Tech only beat an FCS team by 31 last week. Couldn't mm-hmm. even get to 34 against an
0: FCS. So other than that, uh, KU's got, what, they have another FCS team? I mean, Coastal Carolina. Who did KU beat last week? did they beat an FCS team last yeah, week? Yeah,
1: I can't remember who it was. God, they but had
0: two FCS teams? Coastal Carolina is not FCS. They're oh, they FBS
1: aren't? now. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Good for them.
1: They're in the Conference USA. Uh,
0: okay. All right. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk about Big 12-wise with the exception of the Texas game. So, let's just move on. Uh, crap. You know, I didn't grab what our record was for last week with our picks.
1: No, nah, we'll, wanna- we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it next week. All right, all right. So everyone I, just knows uh, I I did very well this week on my on my real picks for real money. I did Grant very
0: did. very well. Grant did he did do very well. He did do very well. Uh, okay, so five games. We'll pick them right now, and this is gonna be. Uh, I will give the the warning. This is not a lot of research. So if you're gonna bet these picks out in Jersey or Vegas, uh, do it at your own. Uh, at your own risk, because uh, I, I'm going to end up watching tape probably more the next couple of days before I actually have more of a crystallized opinion on these games. So a lot of this stuff is shooting from the hip on my end. So with that, we'll start. Pretty interesting game here, Grant. Cincinnati, we just watched them against UCLA last week at uh, Ohio State. So uh, the Buckeyes are laying 16 points. Uh, Cincinnati is a good football team. I haven't watched any of the Ohio State game from last week against FAU, so I don't know what Justin Fields looked like yet. Which I need to go back and watch that because you know I've said that I'm I'm kind of kind of skeptical about Justin Fields, but I heard he had a pretty good game. Uh, you know what I? Man, I really want to take Cincinnati plus the points. I really do because I think they have a really nice coach, but man, their quarterbacks not that good. I know their defense is pretty solid, but it's. You know, they're going to face Ohio State, who has a lot more blue-chip athletes. So, begrudgingly, I think I'm going to lean Ohio State laying the points. Grant, what say you?
1: And I am leaning Cincinnati plus the points. Um, mostly just because, you know, Fields did look pretty good. Um, a lot of the stuff that he was hitting were on guys that were wide open. And he, he, did, he looked really fast out there. So, he's definitely going to cause some problems with his legs. Um, but Cincinnati, Lee, is a veteran defense and a veteran like good defense as well. I think they're probably going to throw some stuff at Fields that confuses him in all likelihood. I think he's going to turn it over a couple times. Um, I think Ohio State's going to win by like 10 or so, but I think Cincinnati's probably going to keep it close throughout. I'll take them to cover.
0: All right, that's a pretty good handicap. I like it. Uh, next one, another Big Ten team. Michigan is hosting Army, and I know Army – Based on the scoreboard, was not that impressive last week, right? Didn't they win something like fourteen to seven?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so I don't know if this Army team is the same Army team as last year. Had a lot of returners from last year's team. Right, right. So this is this is kind of an interesting game. Uh, Michigan laying twenty-two at home. I've only watched the first quarter of Michigan against uh, Middle Tennessee, and Middle Tennessee came out and, and punched Michigan in the mouth. I mean, they took the ball away from Shea Patterson immediately, very first snap of the game forced a turnover and then middle tennessee's offense went down the field and scored and the quarterback looked pretty good for being a young guy and obviously i'm assuming as the game went on michigan's talent and their depth and stuff probably ended up crushing middle tennessee although michigan did not cover the spread uh with army controlling the clock a lot in the ball 22 is a lot to lay i'm actually i'm gonna lean army plus the 22 in this one because i think it's gonna be a short game and michigan's offense didn't really impress me all that much granted Army's defense last year against OU wasn't that good. But, boy, I, I mean, only f- I think 5.8 yards per play for Michigan. That's not great against a Middle Tennessee team. I think is – is I don't think they're terrible, but, I mean, I don't think they're anything to write home about. They are uh, having a brand-new quarterback come in after Stock still left. But, anyways, I, I'm going to say – I'm going to lean Army plus to 22. What are you thinking for this uh, one?
1: I lean Michigan. Michigan, Don Brown, he's got an aggressive attacking defense – and that's what they'll do to Army and they will probably shut them down cold. Like Ooh, I'm that's t- a good I'm, point. I'm I talking lots of three count. and outs. As in Army's not really gonna have the ball because I think Michigan's actually going to try and stop them.
0: Right. Yeah, they're actually so gonna actually, try to stop the option unlike other teams. Yeah. So I, I like Oklahoma.
1: Michigan. <laughs> I, I think Michigan will win like thirty five to seven or
0: something like that. All right, that's a pretty good handicap too. Man, you're 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 I kinda you're feeling it right now. I like it. All right, uh, the second biggest game of the weekend, maybe the biggest game depending on on who you root for, but A&M is at Clemson, number 12 versus number one. Clemson's laying 17.5, and, and, I mean, we know Clemson's really good. and I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a kind of a ho-hum night against Georgia Tech. I watched a little bit of the A&M game, you know, Texas State, whatever. Uh, Since this game was so close last year in College Station, I I, I realize that Kelly Bryant was a quarterback, so now we have Trevor Lawrence thrown in. That that's a huge difference, but uh, I mean that's a huge spread. I realize Clemson's at home. I am gonna lean towards A and M plus the points because again I think AM is a, a pretty good team and and even though the Aggies are the Aggies, I think Jimbo Fisher is a, a good coach. I'm gonna that's too much too much to I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the the seventeen and a half with Texas A and
1: uh, I like Clemson in this game, um, and it mostly has. It's mostly because of my thoughts on Texas A and m just I, I don't I don't get their love. I don't think Helen Mond is good. I, I don't think their offense is particularly good. Um, I think I, I think Clemson's defense right now is probably vulnerable, but I think there's probably only like six or seven teams in the country who can actually take advantage of it, and Texas A and M most certainly is not one of those teams. I like Clemson.
0: All right. This next one, let's not spend any time on this. I got Stanford at USC, but there's no line right now because JT Daniels is out. I'm assuming that's why there's no line. He's not going to play. Uh, do they not know who's going to play quarterback for him? I'm guessing. No, I they know. know.
1: They have a they have another like blue chip guy like right behind him who I think okay. who people at USC like. Okay. Well, I, there's no line. In, in kind of like I a mean, Tanner be- Mordecai situation, if you want to. Like, okay. I heard, I, I heard, like, those, like, the, I can't, I can't remember the guy's name, but I heard him and JT Daniels were, like, were actually, like, battling in camp, and, like, it was close. So. Yeah,
0: I've, I've kind of heard that, too. I, I, I'm just curious why there's no line, though, because, I mean, if they know that Daniels is out, you know, why not put a line on it? But uh, I'm oh, sure Stanford will end up being favored. There's no line, Lee, because they don't know if KJ
1: Costello is going to play. Really? It has nothing to do with USC. Costello, remember, left with a concussion
0: oh, against that's Northwestern.
1: Right. That is right. And so they don't know if he's going to play.
0: Oh, okay. Good call.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter who plays. I like Stanford. <laughs> just yeah, I a, mean, I'm really just a really good coaching staff against a really yeah. bad coaching staff. Easy. Yeah,
0: coach versus coach. Layup. All right, last game. Game of the week. LSU at Texas. LSU's laying six and a hook. Six and a half points. LSU uh, a road favorite against Texas. And, uh, I, man... I am gonna have to pick this game at some point. Tom Herman as a as a nearly full touchdown home dog. I think I think you gotta take Texas. You gotta you gotta take Tom Herman as a dog, especially uh, again getting almost a full touchdown. So based just on that and his history as a as an underdog, especially being him being at home, I'll I'll take Texas. Although, uh, man, I am I am pretty excited to see what this game brings us because LSU looked like a juggernaut. Maybe Georgia Southern stinks this year. And I know Texas played okay. I still haven't watched a whole lot of that game. But, uh, man, that offense for Texas still it looks the same. You know, It's, it's not particularly explosive. They're not going uh, to scare you that much. So, I mean, LSU's defense might be thinking, yeah, okay, we can handle this. I mean, we saw what happened to Georgia. We're not going to let that happen to us. But at the same time, again, I'll take Texas plus the six and a half points. What are you thinking? <sighs> I'll
1: take Texas. Um, and it's, it's, mostly for two reasons. Uh, reason number one is you just, I don't know, gambling history tells you, you just don't bet against Tom Herman when he's an underdog. Just don't do it. Um, and also number two, I think Texas is going to throw so many weird looks and blitzes at Joe Burrow. He's not going to know what the heck to do a vast majority of the time they're trying LSU is trying out their new, their new version of like the, the spread and going into the 21st century. I, I think Texas kind of brings them back down to earth quite a bit with that. I think Joe Burrow is going to have a rough game.
0: All right, Grant, I got to give you some credit. You seem pretty prepared for those gambling picks for those picks of the week. You had some good handicaps. You had some good reasoning and I uh, didn't really have anything good at all. So well done there. It, It, I can tell why you had such a good week in week one. All right, that does it for us. I got to get going. OU South Dakota is at six o'clock on Saturday. Enjoy that one as much as you can. Oh, by the way, Grant, pay per view game. How are you going to watch it? You going to get on a Reddit stream? And- yes,
1: that's what I'm doing. I'm not going to yeah. pay fifty five dollars. I, I I would like. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm poor or anything. Like I've done it before. <laughs> um, but like I'm no. I mean I, I'm 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 going to watch it on Reddit.
0: All right. Well, that's what Reddit's there for sometimes. But don't always use it.
1: No, no, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I've, I've, I've given so many, probably tens of thousands of dollars to this athletic program.
0: I'm okay. Wow. I, I, can,
1: I, I, I can stomach it.
0: All right. Well, again, enjoy the game. We'll be back on Monday to talk all about it. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.